Hello, Abiders. It's Betsy Mejias, your therapist turned life coach, and welcome again to the Abiding CEO podcast. I have great news and some fun news for you guys today. I am not flying solo. I am here with Annie Weber, a wife, mom, and author. And she wrote Astounding Truths of the Bible. And just as we were chatting before recording, we probably could have just recorded that and made it that episode. But um, I can tell just in that little bit, her heart for God. And I am going to let her share a little bit more and let you guys listen in on this conversation. Hey, Annie. Hi, Betsy. Great to be here with you today. Yes, I am a full-time wife to one, mom to four. Also a licensed foster mom. So we've had a couple extra kids in these last couple months. And my ministry is Astounding Truths to the Bible. And really, I'm really honing in on my calling now, which is to help people better understand the Bible through bite-sized truths. And that comes, I heard the CEO of my publishing company say that once, your book comes from your pain. And at first I didn't recognize that. I'm like, I don't have any pain. There's no, there's no pain here. But months later it occurred to me, you know. That is somewhat true. It's really because I didn't know the Bible till later in life. So now I feel like my calling is helping people better understand the Bible, even people that are in church, out of church, like really being exposed to the scriptures and how, you know, the word of God can transform your life. Okay. So it sounds like there is a particular pain that getting to know God helped you with. And like you said, transformed your life. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I said, I really never studied the Bible till I was 28. And that, you know, at the season, what I was doing, I was a new mom. And my husband had just gotten back from Afghanistan. So we had relocated to Kansas. He got a full-time graduate assistantship at Kansas State University. So I was home in a tiny apartment with a baby who was a great baby. She slept all morning, got up, had a little lunch, slept all afternoon. So I had nothing, nothing but time. And in that season, which, you know, I was wrestling. I mean, I left a career. So all the things that the world had told me to chase, which was the career, the paycheck, the hot body, those things were all kind of taken away from me. I mean, like I said, I I had just had a baby, so there was no more hot body. Um, But in that season is when I just had nothing but time and studied the Bible and read and really hours a day, you know, I'd, I'd read and study, I'd work through workbooks, commentaries. And so it was kind of like, I was blown away. Like, I, why have I never done this? I remember thinking at the time, wow, how, how does someone be living a committed and authentic Christian life when, with a career? Cause at the time, you know, it wasn't until I had hours and hours a day to commit to the studying. And, it, and of course I went all in, but that's when the Bible became real and relevant. And that was 15 years ago. And now I'm still on that mission. I hear you. That's um, I didn't come across God and really give my life over until my 20s as well. Actually, it was after I got married. So I feel like God knew the husband Mm -hmm. I had and he lined it up, even though my husband had more of the spiritual religious background. I was in a different place at that season. Literally, we get married six months later. We're in church. It was like he had it planned all along. But sometimes when we're working, we're chasing, we're trying to line up our lives with scripture, but it's such a different time, which is the purpose of this podcast. It's just a place to be open, transparent, and share practical tips. And it's my understanding, you know a little bit about balancing work, life, and faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I did actually, my graduate thesis was on that topic, work-life balance. And that's because at the time I was involved with a career in human resources when I was in a full-time outside the home career. But I was intrigued with 
you know, companies at the time I was living in the Raleigh Durham area, North Carolina Research Triangle Park. So the emphasis, this was about 20 years ago, was in, you know, creating cultures at companies that companies could get the best productivity from their employees, but also recognizing that serve people by creating a good home, you know, work-life balance. So yeah, I was intrigued with that. Part of my research project was researching the top 50 most family-friendly companies in North Carolina. And, you know, it's kind of surprising some of these pharma and tech companies, what they do to create that for their employees. So it was fun researching that topic. Okay. Out of curiosity, what are some of the things they do? Um, well, like the bigger companies, big pharma companies, like having on-site daycare so families can bring their kids right there, you know, where the daycares on work and or on the campus and have lunch with the kids or also like on-site medical care, on-site dry cleaning, you know, stuff where it's like accessible, all the things that you need to do with running a home, but, you know, making it easier to do it because it's right there on campus. Those kind of things were kind of intriguing to me. Yeah. Well, it's pretty cool. And a lot of those companies are great to work for. For a season, I was more into corporate. And then for a season, I was home. But one of the advantages of that is you get to practice your skills and your leadership and then branch off into something else. So I was probably what's considered an entrepreneur before becoming an entrepreneur. And I think you have something similar in that you had the corporate, you stayed home for some, Now you wrote this book and writing a book, it is a business. You're worried about sales, marketing, some of the behind the scenes stuff that can be stressful. How do you navigate that stress? Well, that's a great question. I actually, and I write about this in the book. There's a hundred short chapters on scriptures. One of them, Astounding Truths number 30 is titled, God Desires the Role of CEO. So a lot of it, especially now, I mean, I recognize that all my successes are really they're credited to the Lord. And I need to be clear, like, you know, it's nothing that I've done. It's all the Lord's work in my life. The scripture to go along with that is Proverbs 16, three, which is commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. And I communicate like anything that I've done that looks great, you know, or even just real estate sales or career. And then even ironically, I I joke here, I wrote this before I I wrote my book, sold so many copies that the printing company ran out. I wrote that like as a joke, like before I wrote the book. And ironically that, and I'm not saying it was because it sold so many copies, but there was a snafu on Amazon the day it was a, for the pre-order season, it was live on Amazon. And then the day it actually launched it, it shut down for a couple of weeks. And I don't know what actually happened, but one of my friends reminded me of that after, like we had a problem with that. But anyway, I go on to say, but I'm not the CEO, the broker, or even the author. God is. My life belongs to God and all my successes are credited to him. And that's, you know, really just knowing that he's in charge. I was on my knees every day in the writing season, like, Lord, give me the words, give me the vision. And if it's your will, let it bless people. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. and. The letting it be his will requires trust. And that can be so scary sometimes. I know for me, there's been times where I'm praying for the right candidates mm-hmm. and just the hiring process. It's it's very anxiety provoking. And I remember a season and I couldn't believe it. God brought me two perfect candidates. I asked for one, but you know how he is. He outdid himself and gave me two. And they're still with me a year and a half later. So I'm just... Amazing. I'm grateful because he does work behind the scenes. He works in our businesses. He sells your book for you um, because you honored him with him. And with that came some commitment, some prayer, some sacrifice, because you had to dedicate time to this. 
Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that, the writing process. I would say it it definitely felt like a very clear calling from the Lord, write this book. The vision kind of came to me, actually. I just had a baby four years ago. Um, He was a little cleft baby. So he spent a lot of time in my arms. And that's when I kind of like, you know, I had I had a kid just I mean, I just held him all the time. You know, he struggled to eat. There was just a lot of compassion, just knowing that he had, you know, a surgery in his future. So I delayed the surgery till seven months old. So in those first seven months, I mean, I didn't do a lot. I just held him, but I had one hand with him in it and one hand on a phone. And that's when I kind of started typing one finger, just, you know, about the Bible and trying to make it relatable and, you know, use funny things from my life to kind of just connect it and explain the scripture. I was very interested to kind of like break it down. Like who's saying these words? What's the context? What's the, you know, like, for example, Paul, he says some things in the Bible about itching ears. And, you know, what does that mean? Is he saying he needs Benadryl? No, he's using that phrase to describe to his audience the warning against listening to false teachers. So anyway, I just kind of started doing this one finger on an iPhone, then down the road got kind of serious. Actually, I didn't even own a laptop at the time. So I went to Costco, bought me a laptop and decided to start, you know, I'm going to get serious, putting them all, you know, typing them using my other nine fingers and putting them in Word documents. And yeah, I mean, once I signed the contract with the publisher, it was very much like get this done, you know, like all things in life had to be put on hold. And so a lot of it, yeah, there was days I felt like I kind of ignored the family. I mean, when they were in school, I had a solid three hours every morning when I would work when my little Levi, the the youngest one was in preschool. But again, coming to Guam, we were in Northern Virginia before here. So coming here completely wiped my calendar clean. There was no commitments. I had, you know, so coming here was just like, okay, get it done. And for a solid six or seven months, I did nothing but work on it. And the time we had a couple foster kids in and out. So again, it was, it was a lot. Like at one point there were six kids in the house and I was like, goodness gracious, it's, it's a lot. But again, Lord, if you want to see me, I literally just posted, I came across two years ago, a prayer journal that I wrote a prayer about this, like, Lord, it's yours. Astounding truths. Like if you want this book to be out there and, and help people and bless people, like make a way with all the details. And he did. Now it was really incredible. When I was cleaning house yesterday and saw this prayer journal from two years ago, I'm like, wow, I prayed that. And this is how God blessed it. He blessed it with a move to the other side of the world, which cleared my schedule. And then, you know, a, a schedule where I had solid time to commit to, to writing it and getting the work done. Oh, that's so much fun. And nerve wracking a little, but yeah, but it was fun though. I, I enjoy, I mean, I enjoy, I enjoy the study part. I enjoy learning about the Bible. I enjoy trying to make it like creative. I mean, and I'm not trying to do, I mean, God is the ultimate creative writer. So I'm not trying to do anything. Like I want to be clear when talking about this book, it's, it's meant to be a tool to draw people to the scriptures and better understand it. It's never to replace reading the actual Bible. It's just meant to, you know, it would have been a tool for someone like me who was 28, who was just learning the Bible. Like, oh, okay. So explain the situation. What happened? What's the sin struggle of these people? Why is Paul saying this? Or why is Solomon saying this? You know, stuff like that, where it's just a tool to help better understand this. Definitely. And the example you used just now talking about Paul, it makes me think how he managed business. He was a tent maker and Mm -hmm. ministry. Yeah. And you mentioned foster care. That's a ministry in and of itself. I mean, marriage, family, and fostering. Yeah, it's cool. It's kind of a, I mean, it was a neat thing we could do being here on Guam, there's just such a need. I knew that coming into it um, on this tiny island. There's it's a very small island, but there's many, many kids that are in need of homes um, where they can't be with their parents, you know, for a season. So 
yeah, it was a neat thing. It was a, it was a learning experience. It was it's a lot. There's a lot to it. I read all the books and things and prepared myself, tried to prepare. But until you're in it, I mean, it's it's a lot. It's a lot for my bio kids too. You know, I, I recognize I probably didn't properly prepare them for the changes that were coming. But our the one foster we had for a while, she was two. So again, it's she's navigating. You know, two year old is. I mean, there's a lot going on with just a two year old, even for a bio kid. But when you take a kid that's removed from their birth parents removed from their home. It's it's a lot. There's a lot to navigate until you, until you do it. You don't know, but I'm thankful that we were able to do it. Well, on behalf of that child, I'm thankful you did it because um, it was probably God's timing. You just definitely trust the process and who knows what impact your family had on them. Yeah. Thank you. It sounds like you're good at managing your time. Well, I try to be. I mean, like I said, it was it definitely felt like I had to say no to a lot of things. I'm I'm a high extrovert, so of course my joy and my energies would much rather be spent, you know, with people or outside or doing a hike, you know, or doing fun things. In the writing season of the book, it was definitely like I had to say no to anything that was extra and fun and I mean, if that meant saying no to things like, you know, exercising or going on hikes, yes. I mean, I got a little chubby doing it because I sat here at this desk and worked on it. But yeah, I mean, I think it's very much like when there's a clear calling, like, Lord, make a way, allow me the margin and the will to push forward and get it done. Okay. Looking into the future, do you see yourself writing another book? That's a good question. You know, I am in a season right now where I'm kind of like asking the Lord what's next. Here's the thing. This book is a hundred short chapters about the Bible. And now that it's all said and done, ironically, there's very few on Jesus. And if you know anything about the Christian faith, I mean, Jesus is the main guy. So there could be a series, there could be more. I kind of like what I've started here with like just bite-sized truths, explain the scripture. And, you know, each one is about 600 words. They're kind of like a daily read. Um, Some people have described it as. So yes, there could be, I think there is a possibly uh, or possible calling to do a second book, which would be Astounding Truths of Jesus and just do 100 scriptures on the life and the ministry of Jesus and what we can learn. Like I said, there's a few in this book. One of my favorite ones is the scripture or the text explaining um, Jesus calls someone a fox in the Bible. So, of course, I mean, if you know popular culture, there was a silly song that was on the radio years ago called What Does the Fox Say? And so that's how I open up the astounding truth. And it's like, so what? So here's the context. What was said to Jesus before he calls someone a fox? So, yeah, there could be more. I mean, there's also the Holy Spirit I love to study and learn more about. So there could be another series on the Holy Spirit, Astounding Truths of the Holy Spirit. Actually, to be honest, this book started as a children's book, but then I got going and there was too many words, too much to say. You know, it wasn't like a four or five-year-old level. It was for a more advanced reader. Now the book is 62,000 words. So I'm like, maybe there could be a children's book where it's just explaining the scriptures to kids with fun, you know, colorful images and all that. So yeah, I I think we'll, we'll see what the next couple months look like. You never know. My phrase for 2024 is the future looks bright. So who knows what he has in store? I love that. Okay. So since we've been talking about scripture and I think I've already shared or you saw our foundational scripture is John 15, five, and it's all about abiding in him because without him, we can't do nothing. What are your thoughts? How does that apply? Um, 
Yeah, I I love that question. What are my thoughts? You know, I'm actually I'm going to read a sentence here from this because um, I kind of I answered that here. I says although I certainly have plans, dreams, and aspiration of my own, the only reason I talk about my life being blessed is because the Lord has ordained it. His plans are far better than my plans. Contrary to popular belief, when I prosper, it is the Lord who has allowed me to the gains, not me. Meaning like it's because I, I really do feel like the Lord has placed a calling on my life to abide in him. And I go on to say, I'm simply working, managing the portfolio and the resources he has given me and writing the book for him. All my success in life is credited to him because he has used me for his glory. Before I had a relationship with the Lord, I had a narcissistic voice in the back of my mind reminding me that my accomplishments are because of me. So again, abiding in the Lord, it's the foundation of the life of a born again Christian, knowing that, you know, when you say yes to Christ, you're ultimately saying no to yourself and your ways, you know, you're, you're recognizing like, I mean, to bring it back to another song, Carrie Underwood writes a song years ago, it was popular, Jesus take the wheel. So that, that I kind of look at that as like, when you become a born again Christian, Jesus is taking the wheel. That means he's driving the car. He's the navigator. He's doing the GPS. He's all that. So again, abiding in him is just Knowing that, you know, you're not in charge and you're not you're not the one that is managing or ordaining your successes. It's it's all him, which I love that. It's probably my favorite part about the Christian faith is knowing that my life really is not my own. And so even the shadow sides of life, even the challenges, like that's one of the themes I really try to hit home in the book is the sovereignty of God that in all circumstances, he's in control. You know, I mean, one of the favorite stories in the Bible, I love Joseph. Why? Because the Bible tells us he's got a good looking face and a good looking body. But beyond that, there's a lot we can learn about his life. He had many years of hardship. And after years of, you know, I mean, he had been in prison for he was accused of rape um, and he had challenges with his family and his brothers tried to kill him. And, you know, anyway, he had years, 20 years of hardship. And at the end of it all, he says to his brothers, what you intended to harm me, God used for good. So that's the model. Like, for me, for all of us, you know, like even the challenges that we go through, Lord, you work those things for our good, perhaps to draw closer to him, perhaps to deepen our faith. Who knows? But anyway, long answer to your question. No, no worries. I'm, I'm just, as you were sharing all of that, it also made me think about like those moments where it's like, okay, Lord, how are you going to work this out? How is this going to work out for my good? And then I jump in my head to like Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good for those who trust God. And it's like, oh, okay, let me, let me slow down and trust even when I don't see it. Yeah. Yeah. I Um, like that reminder. And I'm aware too, that that's one of the hardest things for people that are outside the faith. I mean, that's one of the harder stumbling blocks, I think, you know, that's the question I've heard sometimes is, you know, why would a good God allow these trials to happen? It's like, well, I get that. I understand. And it's okay to wrestle. It's okay to question, um, you know, but in the hardships, in the trials, seek the Lord for, for wisdom and peace. Totally. It's the only way. And it's obviously my, my true North and, and yours too, just like, resting in him and waiting for his prompts. And sometimes if I go down the wrong road, knowing that he's also going to provide the U-turn, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. So the last question, and I like to end on what helps you abide? I just think the reinforcement, knowing that, like I said, that my life is not, a, you know, my own, that he's, I try to be really intentional about seeking the Lord, especially now in this season, like, Lord, what's next? 
I mean, I think ultimately being in the word, studying the word. I also think the influence of who you allow it in your life, you know, I mean, I would say most of my friends, my social circle, the people that are most influential to me now are the church family. My husband, he's a great model of what a spiritual leader should look like for the household. And, you know, just being intentional about, you know, the influences. I think, I mean, I I love the reminder of there's two ways to be in this life. You can be of the world or of God. And so when you're letting the world influence you, you know, I think it kind of can direct your mind in a certain way. But yeah, I mean, abiding is just you know, because of my influences at the time. And I have found it's really comfortable and also easy for me to be around like-minded people who are interested in growing and deepening their faith. And in this season of book marketing, you know, it's, it's great. It's really, it's a joy for me to be able to connect with people and discuss, you know, what they're learning in their lives. And so, yeah, all, all those things help me abide. Well, Annie, thank you so much for taking the time to just share what's going on and your book and where can people find you? Um, my website, Astounding Truths. I'm also on the socials, Instagram and Facebook, Astounding.Truths. And yeah, the book is on Amazon, BarnesandNoble.com, Books A Million, all the sites. So yeah. Awesome. Thank you.